0: everybody. We made it to the end of Star Trek Enterprise. Here we are. We're going to do a season four wrap-up and then a series wrap-up, all mixed into one
1: super special podcast. Clay, how are you? Good. This is going to be harder for me than the trivia game to remember everything that's happened <laughs> in this series.
0: <laughs> the problem, this is somewhat tangential to that, but the, uh, the problem with these wrap-ups is that I... I kind of feel like the wrap up should be uh, similar to how I would change the Oscars, which is that you you give the best picture for five years ago. You don't do the current year because it's too <laughs> it's too fresh. You have to you have to give a little yeah, time for things yeah. to settle down. So you give them five years, and then you you do that. Um, the series wrap ups and the season wrap ups are always tough, right when we get to the end of it, because kind of like how we were discussing in our uh, Patreon special for Pegasus before the finale came out. Uh, Your opinion changes with the series as time goes on. Like you look back, you go, Oh, I never never really noticed that as new eyes. But we're going to try to do our best with Enterprise here, which we just finished. We started this two plus years ago, Clay, covering Enterprise. Wow. And as a special feather in your cap, this is the first Star Trek series that we can say you've seen every episode. You might have seen all the other episodes, but this is the first one I
1: can prove definitively you've seen them. If there was one to pick, this would be (laughs) it. To To have the working knowledge of Star Trek Enterprise that I do now is frankly something I look forward to coming in handy. You gotta start from here on ed- out.
0: <laughs> you gotta start editing the Wikipedia and stuff, like making sure that it's all right. All the eyes are dotted and the t's are crossed.
1: Yes. Well, it'll be difficult because half the character names I'll be like, I don't know who those people are. So, Sovol, who's that? Who's that guy? All right, let's start off with um season four,
0: I guess, because we just finished it. It's fresh in our minds. We did wrap ups for all the other series, so we might as well do this one too. Um. The first thing to talk about this one, I think, there's two major points of season four, I think. I think that there's the way that they did the episodes, which is these mini arc things. And then there's the amount of fan service that went into the season as a whole. I think those are the two like definitive mm-hmm. aspects of season four of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Do you want mm-hmm. to start with either of those? Or, mm-hmm. I guess this would be a good way to broach into it. Is season four the best season of enterprise
1: um i i don't know that's a tough question to answer honestly i want to say yes because i feel like the two-parters weirdly enough brought some sort of consistency to the season that the other ones didn't have like they kind of knew what they were doing more, um, but I don't know if I can say that like it had the highest number of good episodes. For do you have the numbers in front of you? Do we? Is there a comparative we
0: can look at? You thought season three was a little bit better than season four, so well, your your ratings Speaks are for
1: them- numbers speak for themselves. <laughs>
0: You gave it a a 2.68 for Season 1, 2.73 for Season 2, virtually identical. Season 3, you have a 3.13, which is a big jump from our five-point scale. It's a pretty significant jump. Then you went down to a 3 for Season 4. So Mm. Season Mm 3 is slightly higher. I am exactly the same as you. Season 1, 2.64. Season 2, 2.73. Up to 2.83. I'm not quite as high on you as Season 3. But then I'm down to two point seven for season four and I was trying to think about that whether or not that makes sense but go ahead
1: whatever you think well I I think what it is if I remember correctly is that season three felt like they were moving towards something whereas season four really doesn't feel that way and so I think there was a a much bigger upside for potential in what they were doing that's varied episode to episode so i think there were probably some episodes where we were like oh okay this is really good there's a lot of potential here which they never followed up on or something like that um whereas season four does have a couple more interesting ideas i guess but i can't necessarily say the episodes are any better yeah do you need um, a refresher on how few stories are in this season the, the outside of the it's t- only like four right four outside five? of a
0: couple of standalone episodes like um <laughs> observer effect uh bound home there is the augment arc with brent spiner mm-hmm. the vulcan arc the romulan interference arc the klingon augment arc the mirror universe and then Terra Prime. those are those are the six stories that happened in this season
1: that's not including the standalones. Not say, including right? the standalones. There's like three okay. or four standalone episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, as you were lift- listing those off, none of them really made me go, ooh, yeah, those no. ones. That's the, that's the problem it. with it. <clears throat> but to be fair, I mean, it's tough because I don't know if you could do that with anything in this series, frankly. If you were to say, remember the one where this happened, i go, yep, I certainly have... I certainly have a hard record that says I watched it.
0: <laughs> There's a number on a spreadsheet. You did. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Is that like I guess that's that's for the bigger, broader enterprise discussion. I think that I was pretty underwhelmed by the mini arc. like after after a certain while it felt to me and I think I mentioned this on a podcast before that it felt more like it was a budget decision than a creative decision where they were sort of mandated that they had to reuse these sets that they had because it cost too much money to build new sets for every single episode a lot of them a lot of them also just followed the general Enterprise thing of the third episode was always some action sequence letdown thing. that it, And yeah, when it's yeah. stretched out to an entire episode, you start getting pretty tired of that. I can deal with it for five minutes at the end of an Enterprise episode, but when it's the entire 42 minutes of a three-episode arc, it kind of wears yeah. on me a little bit. I don't think any of them are particularly uh interesting i think that the klingon augments might still be my favorite of them terra mm. prime was terrible uh i thought the vulcan arc was terrible terra the... prime more like <laughs> terra ter- ter- terrible terrible prime and um what's the romulan interference one i think is the most forgettable when uh when i was looking at the episode titles i had to remember <laughs> yeah, what to call that one and i guess it's I, romulan even interference. though you
1: had even though you had listed them off that way, that didn't even click in my brain as to what that was about until <laughs> just now. Like, oh yeah. That's the one where they get the little the little uh, The daft punk pilot. Edgar, Edgar Winter guy. Uh the Edgar Winter um. Oh yeah. Andorian the endorian, the Dinar, the whatever they are, yeah. 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 Yeah, you know, I think I think the I think the, the the potential of those stories is is pretty high. I think like going into those stories I was more um, hopeful that they were going to live out. like, because they all. I feel like they all start fairly strong. Yeah. Um. You know. You got the 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 killing of the admiral, the blowing up of Starfleet headquarters. Um. The, you know, I think some of them have
0: strong middles too. <laughs> like the uh, the augment arc is Cold Station Twelve, which we liked quite a bit. Uh, the augment the Klingon augment arts arc starts pretty well. Oh sure, yep. Yeah, so yeah. I, there are examples yeah. of that, but I I think they uniformly finish underwhelmingly, uh, in oh, Terra Prime being yeah. a terrible episode, yeah. and the rest of them not really amounting to much.
1: Yeah, it's it's difficult because you know you are they're telling they're telling one big story over three episodes, but it doesn't really feel like they thought that far ahead with them. Mm. Um, <clears throat> it just kind of seems like they wrote the same way they always write, except they had three episodes that were in the same world instead of just one. Yeah. So they write one, and w- without really thinking about what's going to go into the next two, they do the next one, and they're still flying by the seat of their pants, which, I mean, I guess is the the nature of episodic television or television in general. Um, but, yeah, I, it's it's too bad, because I, I do think that there were some cool ideas in there uh, that were not capitalized on or really explored in a, in a really satisfying way because you know mayweather's got to have a secret girlfriend from the cia or something yeah dead. yeah it's i find them we got to find out what happened to the bumps wes we gotta <laughs> know <laughs> well you figured it out in this one did the season go
0: by quick for you compared to the other ones it's much, it's much um, fewer. It's many fewer episodes than
1: the other one. I would say yes because, I, I mean, I think we went through it faster than we have either of the other three seasons, yeah. didn't we?
0: Yeah, we did. Except it, me,
1: well, yeah.
0: It's it's four or five episodes shorter than the other seasons. I think that the it's even more in season two, obviously. Yeah, so it's like six episodes shorter than seasons one and two. The arcs, mm-hmm. there's so few of them. There's only a handful of them. I, I felt like it went by pretty quickly. Um, but it, I guess my overriding larger point as to where season four sits in <laughs> is that it's one of these things like we always run into uh, when we're about to get into something, the listeners will get sort of fired up up about the change that's going to happen when you change into a new season. I, kinda, I feel the same. I'm like, oh, a new season is going to be a whole new different thing and season 4 is always kind of heralded as the best episode of enterprise and also the only good season of enterprise mm-hmm. and i don't think it is like i i think i i think i personally like season 4 3 better even though season 3 was yeah probably less good objectively i i, f- I feel that season 3 was enterprise trying to move the show in, in a direction that is a little bit more modern and it wasn't sure how to do that, and it didn't really have a good idea about what a 24-episode arc was going to be with the Zindi. But it still mm-hmm. kind of felt like something. And the episode, what are those ones? The ones at the end of season three, they had a trilogy themselves, the Zadi Prime, Damage, and the Forgotten. So that's when they, st- when they arrive at a Ziti Prime, which is the Zindi base, then the ship gets blown to shit and everything's damaged. And then there's the Forgotten, which is one of those um, trip sister died things and he has like his emotional flashback i would argue that trilogy is better than anything that happens in season four i think because it built to it better in that season even relatively speaking anyway i don't know it's it's um it comes into i guess the fan servicey aspect of it which is something that we talked about before which is the season four really embraces it it says this is the season we're going to explain all the things we're going to explain the bumps and I think i just come back to my my point that we made somewhere in the Klingon arc, which is that this is some kind of inflection point in the franchise, really. This is where yeah. everything started to turn. And Manny Kodo and the writers of season four <laughs> might not been aware of the Pandora's box that they were opening because it's not unique to Star Trek. But I think that they mm-hmm. did something here which forever changed the franchise and made it seem even smaller in a weird way because enterprise is a prequel and the whole time you would have thought it would have been building towards that, but they didn't do that early. It was only really season four Mm -hmm. that started to uh,
1: go heavy on that stuff. Well, what's interesting about the choice is like now it, now it feels like, why do you do a prequel if not to tie it into the things, you know, right? Like that's just how people do this stuff now. Um, but with this show, what they did, they did it fairly smartly, where they went back <clears throat> far enough where they could have a little bit more legroom as to what they could and couldn't do. <clears throat> Excuse me, and I think that was conceptually the best way to do it, because um, I think on paper the idea is is still very strong. Where it's like, okay, we've seen we've seen. Two different enterprises. We've seen Deep Space Nine. We've seen Voyager. We've seen everything moving forward. But what about going back and seeing what the first version of this was, the first time they that humans boarded a ship called the Enterprise and went out exploring? I think that's a fairly solid premise, even though it's still you're still trading on the nostalgia of the ship to a certain extent. Um, and wh- what they managed to do, I think, was – avoid canon problems for a solid amount of time more or less like they had a couple instances where they were kind of had to really hand wave some stuff where it's like well we never asked them what they were called so we don't realize that they were called Ferengi right. you know so, okay yeah. sure um, but generally it, they had enough time in between their show and, and the what what we're generally used to that they gave themselves room to, room to play around which is why I found it that much more fascinating that in season four they were like, all right, let's just start tying things together. Yeah, Because it seems like with this show you didn't have to do that. I think where this idea has gone uh, sideways a bit is not so much just because it's not the prequel in and of itself that's the problem. It's that the point in time that they choose to set the shows. Or set the movies or whatever. Like, then you start navel gazing about stuff that people recognize, whether it's rebooting the movies or Discovery, which is a prequel, sort of, but it's only a prequel by like 25 years or Mm -hmm. something. So it's like close enough that if we get into a pinch, if season one doesn't work so well, we can have the Enterprise show up and everyone will just start clapping. Yeah. Which, I mean, that worked. It worked on me. It worked. Yeah. Who might have been (laughs) playing? But you know what I mean? Like they they kind of ended up in this weird place where they had enough space <clears throat> where they c- could do stuff without really having to deal with established canon. However, once they started tying stuff together, <clears throat> it made the links that much more tenuous because they had to reach so far yeah. for that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's it, it ended up in a really weird place where they're trying to do this fan service stuff, which is kind of bogging the show down in the final season, but I think the thing that's really bogging it down is that it feels so much like a let's just do this to do this kind of thing because the it the the setting of the show is not conducive to tying up certain elements that they're they're choosing to tie up.
0: Yeah, I I think that's the biggest problem with what Enterprise did in season 4 is that it's um the setting of it just doesn't feel grandiose enough to reflect what is supposed to be going on at this point. Like mm-hmm. it, it's something that's kind of unique about like Deep Space Nine's stationary aspect is something that feels more well-suited for that. Like the fact that the Enterprise can just kind of like flit around in space and go to different places and people meet in the conference room of the Enterprise and it's this tiny thing and it's supposed to be this galactic coming together and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It there's something about the fact that it can just move around that makes it feel very empty and very small and it makes all the stuff that happens on it feel inconsequential and small at the same time because it's Mm -hmm. it's too like i i think that the way the way that it would have been interesting i guess is that like if you had a star trek show that was for some reason entirely set on earth during this time like i think that Mm-hmm. That's where you could actually get into what this show is trying to do at the at the fourth season when it's trying to connect stuff. Because I feel like you'd have a better sense of what Earth is doing at that point. It wouldn't just be the Enterprise as the representative of Earth. You'd have a sense of the aliens on Earth. You could Earth. You could play up this xenophobia aspect. Like there's stuff there that can work within it. Mm-hmm. And the season four Enterprise stuff felt more like Memory Alpha connections than it did legitimate world building exercises where it was it it was just trying to broach off into the bigger franchise rather than be its own thing and like have enterprise be meaningful in any kind of
1: way well you know i think the problem one of the big problems is one of the one of the things they're driving towards in this whole series is the formation of the federation right which is they kind of glance at in seasons one through three and <clears throat> season four they do more than glance at it but not much more than glance at it whereas if they had set the entire seat fourth season in front of the backdrop of this is going to be about the you know the growing pains of birthing the uh federation like what is it what does this actual coming together look like what does it take what does it cost then the stories they're telling that are more tied into to canon have a little bit more weight to them and feel a little bit more in place where it's like okay you're trying like for instance you're trying to to bring together three different groups of aliens to form this alliance right well that gets a lot more difficult when all of a sudden your uh uh genetic engineered super soldier serum gets out to to Kronos <laughs> and they start growing super soldiers and then you gotta let this guy out of prison. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, a little yeah. bit more meat to that stuff if it's like this is all in front of the backdrop of tying together the knot that is the biggest knot in the franchise that no one has ever really tried to untangle.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They were um
0: that's maybe a good place as any uh, I'll kind of awkwardly segue us into
1: the... Because, you know, you have to untangle a knot before you tie it up.
0: <laughs> we'll segue into um, discussing the, fr- the series as a whole, I guess, at this point. Um, can I
1: can I actually ask you a series-wide question? Yeah. I uh, Just because it's in, in my head, and we're talking about tying up stuff in canon and, and, and you know, prequels and stuff like that. Uh, when we covered Discovery, the big... Thing that we, one of the big things we talked about as being sort of like a really big ask was the Discovery ship itself and the Spore Drive, and how this is a revolutionary piece of technology that feels futuristic even for the most futuristic version of Star Trek to date. Mm That just disappears and nobody ever talks about it again. They
0: promise not to talk about it, Clay. It's right. Yes,
1: <laughs> they locked it. Was they? He? They locked it, Wes. They locked it. You can <laughs> it's, it's,
0: it's the same it, thing that happened with the JFK assassination. <clears throat> Everyone who's in on it just decided not to tell anybody else what happened. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 Now, would you find the Zindi attack on Earth to be something comparable to the to the Discovery Spore Drive? Because I feel like the Z- the Zindi's attack on Earth is a huge fucking deal. Mm-hmm. They killed seven million people and almost started this gigantic like intergalactic war. But it's not obviously not something that ever gets talked about outside of Enterprise. My my favorite my favorite former Mako who goes on to, uh, yeah. to turn into a monster <laughs> in Star Trek Beyond. But what, how do, how do you feel about that as far as those two things go?
0: No, the Zindi attack doesn't really bother me. Um, it is a major thing, but it was. I thought what they did was appropriate, even though in and of itself, it doesn't make a lot of sense, which is just that it kind of like the probe came and it just like strafed Miami basically, you know, like Mm -hmm. it, it didn't, it didn't destroy the moon. It didn't destroy a continent on earth. It was kind of like, it was a big attack, but I think they, they properly balanced it where it's not something that people would unavoidably talk about in the future. You know, I, sure, I can see the sure. other series never bringing up the Zindi attack. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that that worked. I feel that the spore drive is worse to me because the spore drive, the spore drive solves a problem for the entire setup of a later series in Voyager. Like yeah. Yeah. Th- there's no, Voyager doesn't have a problem if anyone had just talked about Discovery after it left. You know, I, I know they agreed not to, right, promise right. not to, but yeah. that that that's, like a catastrophic impact on
1: the other series in a way that I don't think the Zindi stuff is. Yeah, I it is it is kind of like <clears throat> the difference between um knowing that there was like the French and Indian War in the 1700s, yeah, and finding out that the French had submachine guns and then they just decided never no, to really. talk about the fact that they had submachine <laughs> guns. That would make me
0: study the French and Indian War. As opposed to yeah, know, just right? the yeah, name of the war, yeah, exactly. It is <laughs> that's it is how if your similar. kids
1: if your kids are having trouble with history, throw that in there and just see like yeah, when you'll get to it eventually. Someone will bring it up. Right?
0: Have you so you you stopped reading about the war, Alistair? You didn't get to the part where the lightsabers were introduced in the uh, the the sacking <laughs> the sacking of London or something like that. I think that the would hover work. the hoverboard
1: the hover hoverboard attack the of seventeen oh one
0: series wrap up. At this point, we can get back into that stuff too. It'll all tie in. Ninety-eight episodes of Enterprise, Clay. We covered over the past two plus years. Someone comes up to you in the next couple of days and says, "Clay, I see that Star Trek Enterprise is on my Paramount Plus <laughs> subscription. Uh, what have you ever seen that?" And you go, "Yes, I've seen all ninety-eight episodes." They go, "Oh, really? Uh, mm. How would you how would you sum up your feeling? How how would you sum up Enterprise to me?" Motivate me to watch this or don't motivate me to watch it. What's this? What's a, a pithy, concise way that you would uh,
1: sum up Star Trek Enterprise? Well, first of all, I would say how frustrating that is <clears throat> that there's only 98 because I think, like, isn't the syndication barrier like 100? Yeah, it's Come very cool. They couldn't have done two more, short. get some royalties. May, might Star Trek might have not been dead for the next four years if they had gotten more uh, royalties out of yeah. the show. It makes me wonder. Um, you
0: would have – I would have – it makes me wonder if that was still happening at that point because I would have thought that whoever owned them would have said, we're two away, just give them two episodes and then we can syndicate this thing. Maybe the rules changed. I don't know. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, what If someone asked me about Star Trek Enterprise, should I watch it? I would say...
0: Or just, just your, your it, pithy take on the, on the, the series. Like How, how would you, mm. short, in a short, brief sentence, log line, sum up Star Trek Enterprise for somebody?
1: Uh, fine, but not essential. Mm.
0: Yeah. I would say it's a, um, I would say it's a disinterested show, I think. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that it's it is fine. On our ratings here, it's clearly at the bottom of our series so far <clears throat> numerically with our five point scale. Uh, it's DS9, TNG, TOS, and then Enterprise comes in the distant fourth. I think what I'm gonna think about this, like besides just the the incredible lack of interest that everyone involved in this series seems to have, it's also a mm-hmm. another thing that defines it for me is it's a very kick the can down the road series. Um it mm-hmm. I feel like one of its defining writing traits is here's an idea. Does anyone want to do anything with it now? No. <laughs> just kick it down the road, and some, someone will come up with a script mm-hmm. down, the,
1: down a year from now. The Temporal Cold War felt that way. Tripping to Paul felt Tem- that way. In, in retrospect, Temporal Cold War seems like something somebody woke up in the middle of the night and scribbled on a sticky note, and then was like, <laughs> you know what? That sounds good. I'm not really sure what that means. We'll get to it, but let's, let's put it in and see where it goes. Yeah. And then they just never really got to it.
0: We're gonna we're gonna insert Bob we're gonna insert your temporal Cold War scribble into season one. You keep talking to your therapist about what that dream might have been about'll we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll figure it out by the time this is over. You know what I mean yeah. it's a real it's a series that was never really interested in being about or discussing anything. It was always just like here's a the thing there it goes. We'll go chase it for a little bit. Uh the Endorian arc, I think the Vulcans fall into that trap. The Cold War and Trip into Paul are probably the most egregious examples of it. I think that the Zindi mm-hmm. arc, mostly because the Zindi arc was so stretched out that they had to kick the can constantly down the road. It's it's a series that just never never felt like it wanted to grab hold of the reins and actually be a
1: show about something. It was yeah. always contentious to exist. It's very workmanlike yeah you know it's it's uh it's the television franchise equivalent of being like a journeyman baseball player or something you know yes it's like yeah he's good he's a solid hand to have on a team but you know he was on a team that won the world series one year yeah no one's no one's talking about him
0: yeah that's out of that though right Yeah, now he's
1: on the kansas city royals yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it, it is it is that right it's a I think that Enterprise is by far the most disappointing of the Star Trek series we've watched so far. It's the one I don't I don't really ever see yeah. myself going back to watch any of this ever again for some reason. We have a few patrons who are going to comment about how this most recent rewatch has uh, left them a little bit lacking and I I I'm 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 glad you're watching along with the show but I could never rewatch this series. I don't think. It just
1: is not yeah. interesting to me in any any way. I think, you know, I hate just piling on here because, <clears throat> you know, some people it's their favorite series and that's totally fine. But um, it, um, it just never felt to me like it really got off the ground. It just kind of, it, it, it's almost worse for me than something like Discovery, which... I I think is actively bad because this one I don't think is generally actively bad. I just think it's fine. Right. Yeah. Which means that I find it generally unremarkable and unmemorable for me. It's very uninteresting. Discovery
0: is interesting in how bad it is.
1: Yeah. And it even like – It's discovery for all of its storytelling faults is is fairly interesting visually like there's stuff to really you can really talk about or stuff that's that is kind of worth remembering you know for as far as I'm concerned anyway yeah um whereas enterprise just all feels very middle of the road to me yeah a very long road it, for it's better a- for better or worse too you know because I mean like that's what we were saying with all these episodes. Like they're 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 not badly produced episodes. They're just unremarkable. But I, I think that like so I'm I'm for I can understand the comfort
0: argument for it, right? Like I understand the sort sure. of uh, the yeah. white noise argument that could go along with this show. I I do feel there's a difference. There's there's a there's a white noise comfort I feel with TOS TNG Voyager and DS9. Maybe Voyager less, but that, that Enterprise doesn't really have because I never, I never felt like I never felt like I was going to expect big things from Enterprise. It, it's like it's it's relentless mm-hmm. middle of the roadness, just um, wears you down in a way that it it stops being interesting. Like the other series have greater peaks and valleys, I think, in terms of their consistency. It was like a bad episode, then there's a great episode, then there's an okay episode, then it kind of alternates and through that mm-hmm. stuff. But I, I think that, that that at least keeps your interest as you're watching it because you yeah. never know really what you're going to get week to week. Mm-hmm. Enterprise was just, as we've been saying, just the definition of like a two all the way through. And, it, and it yeah. eventually it loses that uh, comfort appeal for me because I don't turn it on... And it doesn't bring me, I think a lot of the comfort aspect is that it has to make you feel comfortable as you're watching it. It's not just like the production itself. It's sort of like your relationship to the material. And Enterprise never never got there for me.
1: Yeah, I in my head, <clears throat> this is turning into a roast of Star Trek Enterprise, but um, <clears throat> I have like a very clear picture of all of these series that we've watched up to this point like a visual literal snapshot of what pops into my head when i think about them like tos i think about bright colors very high chroma you know 60s television very splashy sci-fi stuff tng is like kind of like art a little bit more um uh subdued but like Flashy and more of kind of like a futuristic Art Deco kind of sense sure. where you've got new colors introduced, but you've also ma- managed to make all these uniforms uniform by adding the black to everything. Um, Deep Space Nine is a much moodier show. It's darker, it's more uh, um, uh, darkly lit. The uniforms are darker. You they, they get that gray going on in there. It's just a darker theme and everything. When I think about Enterprise, it's just like blue. <laughs> gray. It's just steel like steel blue <laughs> It's yeah, it's like it's like grayscale in yeah. my mind. Because it's like blue uniforms, blue steel, not the Zoolander look, like actual blue steel, <laughs> you know, uh structures. It's very like um and it's just it just doesn't it doesn't pop the way the other ones do in, in my mind. It just feels very low, no no real contrast visually. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a, a middle, like the, the, uh, what's the thing? The histogram on that thing is just like a straight line.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, um, it doesn't grab me either. And I, I think it goes beyond production for me. This is like, it, it does feel like I'm ra- going to be ragging on the show, but I mean, like I do, I just do think it's clearly the worst Star Trek show we've covered to this point. Like, like, mm-hmm. Discovery is worse, I think. But this is the most uh, uninteresting Star Trek show that we've covered so far. Uh, would I say that it's a better show than Discovery Picard?
1: It's hard to say. Because but, but, even the, the, low, the low points of Enterprise don't hit the lows of, say, like your worst TOS episode where no. there's still something so fucking wacky. That you can talk about it for an hour. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like it makes it memorable. It's like at no point in Enterprise did they go to like a a planet made only of tree people who also happen to have a copy of the American right. Constitution or yeah. something. You know, it's like it might that and it should have been a goal. Like it never
0: should have been a goal in season four. I Maybe mean, Coda should have been like, give me some of the worst scripts that you guys have, and let's at least make yeah. this feel like a Star Trek show, and, and, and yeah. go in that direction. It's true. It, it's not. Um, it did avoid bad stretches. Like, I think DS9 had bad stretches that are worse than some of Enterprise's stuff, but it's just, it's that the peaks in the valley thing is really what you
1: remember off of this stuff. Did um, is do this? Do you think, sorry, I mean, uh, to cut you off mid question there, but do you, do you think any of that kind of timidness to be, to do something more memorable is kind of a result of it being sort of a prequel that has certain uh, canonical restraints to it. Like they're they're trying to do this without rocking the boat too much, despite the fact that I said they kind of had the room to rock the boat a little bit more.
0: Yeah. No, I don't... Did you ever feel that the series was bumping into canon too much? I never felt like... I always felt that this show, because of how lonely space is at this point and how empty and how devoid of, like, the Federation and stuff there is, I always felt that you could just get away with sort of strange stuff in the show, like bumping mm-hmm. into things that you'd never have to explain again. Um, yeah. Be- because I just... I I've, i never felt that this show was that constrained by the canon restrictions on it. As you were saying, yeah. it's fairly a distant memory from tos and there's just space to play in like tos ran into like space gods literal like apollo greek space right. gods and no one ever talked about right. that afterwards I, I think enterprise could have gotten away with the same
1: thing yeah and i mean you know maybe i'm giving it not giving it enough credit because the temporal cold war is a pretty out there concept yeah. you know they they took a big swing right out of the gate unfortunately it was a bit of a foul tip yeah there's lot of baseball metaphors in this episode. I felt nothing in else In the to dead grab of winter.
0: <laughs> you're you're feening yeah. for some baseball and the uh the sweet science that's <laughs> boxing.
1: What's the, nickname? What's the nickname I mean maybe for if America's Enterprise if Enterprise was a was a sport it would be baseball cuz it's like yeah I enjoy the teams but it's kind of boring to watch unless you're hammered. Yeah. But when the Which season how I <laughs> would describe Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> when someone
0: asks you your your pithy thoughts about Enterprise you say you should watch some baseball. Instead, yeah, just get yeah. the MOB network and just watch baseball nonstop.
1: Get a, get a bag of shelled peanuts in the shell, a $15 beer, <laughs> a wet, soggy hot dog, and just watch some Enterprise.
0: Speaking of wet, soggy hot dogs, is this oh the boy. worst cast,
1: worst, worst
0: group of characters in Star Trek? Is there a worst crew? Um, and again, I don't think this crew is terrible. This crew is just... no unmemorable to me I was thinking if I were to do a fantasy draft for the like positions of a ship where you had to have a captain engineer doctor I don't think any of these are I'm not upset if anyone grabs any of these characters maybe Trip I was thinking because the engineer group mm-hmm. is weirdly weak across the series Trip right, might yeah. be a dark horse where I'd be like I respect that pick that you picked Connor Trenier's Trip as your engineer but Archer to Paul Phlox Reed, Hoshi, Mayweather. I'm not picking any of those guys anywhere near the top of you know, any of the series.
1: I i wouldn't be disappointed to have Flocks on my team. As your I think doctor character? he's a pretty character? good
0: character. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, I think the doctors, like, obviously, doctors are so stacked. And I'm, th- I'm thinking only of the metaphor yes. here. But the, the doctor is like a stacked position in Star Trek, I think.
1: Yeah, it really is. But I, I think with that in mind, I think Flox fits into that grouping. Okay. Where <clears throat> excuse me, where like if I was uh if I was really, really gunning for a front left pilot or whatever that position is and I <laughs> check off seat. and I couldn't get yeah, and I couldn't get Chekhov and I couldn't get whatever extra was sitting there that week on TNG yep. and I got stuck with Mayweather, I'd be like ugh, <laughs>
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we lost we lost the season guys it's over trade yeah trade but, but
1: yeah yeah i flocks is probably i, I would say flocks and trip probably are the only two would i actively here's my counter to I'm, I'm interested in your
0: fly your flocks thing because i feel flocks started out really strong but eventually mm-hmm. faded into nothing after a couple seasons sure would you, you'd agree with that? Like I, I think that out of the gate, he was probably the best-defined character of all of them. Mm-hmm. But they stopped using him, I think, outside of scenes where they yeah. had someone come into sickbay and he's the doctor who was there for <clears throat> it, which is, you know, it's the way a lot of those characters yeah. are. But I interrupted you. Go ahead.
1: No, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think... Uh <clears throat> like like i was saying like i don't know he wouldn't be my first choice but i don't think i would be disappointed to to have him mm. because i do i do think he's a fairly interesting character with some some stuff to play around with that yeah he does kind of fall into the background but i think when they choose to use him he's very effective i think he's a good uh kind of you know bench guy to have um <clears throat> and engineer is is interesting because like would i actively Sorry, I'm coughing all over the place today. <clears throat> would I actively choose Trip over Jordy, Scotty? I'm yes to uh, both I of I don't those. know who the engineer is. So it would be the Torres and Voyager.
0: Uh, it would be Miles O'Brien, I don't, I don't DS9.
1: O'Brien. <clears throat> I think I would. I think I find o'brien to be a more interesting character but i can see why you would choose trip over o'brien
0: yeah i think i'd choose trip over o'brien like i again it's just like this is obviously a larger franchise thing but i think the engineer is a weirdly weak group of characters like they're they're all kind Mm -hmm. of c minuses in a way like there's no one that's like oh god that's a terrible character but there's no one that's really like i have to you have to have this guy as your like uh, central piece for a a
1: series but at the same time, I mean, maybe this is just a result of the prevalence of fans of the other series, though. Like, who gets excited about Trip? You know, I mean, no you're probably right. But yeah, if you're if if you were to take a bunch of Star Trek fans, yeah, and and or uh, what's the word? Um, <clears throat> not hardcore fans, but people who are familiar with the series, sure, and be like, yeah, I watched I watched all the shows. I've seen all the shows and have them do that draft. I don't know if Trip gets picked. I don't know if people get excited about Trip, you know.
0: Who do you think gets picked in that situation? I think who's the who's the fan the casual fan favorite engineer character on Star Trek?
1: Um the casual fan favorite, I mean Scotty has worked his way into like the cultural lexicon, yeah. So he he's has. probably the first person people look to. But people know but the would, Jordy eyes. Have to say, people know the visor. That's like an true, iconic. True. Yeah. But the Jordy eyes is not a f- turn of phrase. Jordy eyes is a great band being, name, though. I think I'm going to name my. Jo- ba- uh, jo- yeah. <laughs> Jordy's I eyes. See the distance between between <laughs> you and I. Um. So I, if not Scotty, I would say probably Jordy. Mm. Um. I think after Geordie I think the the popular knowledge of Star Trek Engineers <laughs> dipped away off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think the I think the super hardcore fans would go for O'Brien, but I disagree with the hardcore. Yeah, if you're fandom cool because I don't really know, if you're like cool, O'Brien. you choose O'Brien. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. The O'Brien is the kind of like hipster, slightly ironic choice. Yes. Doesn't really feel I, like I, an engineer. I do agree. <laughs> no, he doesn't. I, I think I think, yeah, I think if you're really going going deep, Trip is probably a dark horse, but I um I can see why he wouldn't be most people's first choice, let's put it that way. And again, I don't know if that's because the show clearly didn't become as ubiquitous as some of the other shows have. Um,
0: I I think, I put a lot of stock in, I think that Trenier is the best actor in this group. He's like, yes, Billingsley I think is very good in his narrow range of what he was asked to do, but I don't think that, I think Tripp was the character that the writers most, he he's kind of similar to Riker to me and that they put him in the most situations where it almost feels like he's a kind of do anything character um and that he he mm-hmm. i made a joke i was saying about o'brien doesn't feel like an engineer but trip really doesn't feel like an engineer a lot of the time because he right the only engineering he does is when he's in the in, the the warp place like when he's near the engine you go oh he's the engineer but he, his variety as a character is so across the board i think that's his strength here is he not your winner for the uh breakout character of this show in relative terms?
1: I would say he is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely um He definitely had the closest thing to like a an arc, yeah. I would say. Uh unfortunately it was an arc that ended up in a pile of dog shit <laughs> well, versus yeah. a, pot, a pot of pot of
0: gold. <laughs> he um, had to connect the wires. He he's uh, and and I think that's where like, I, I think that the reason that Braga killed off Trip is because he's, it's some sort of self loathing where Trip is the best character on the show yeah. and Braga just goes, fuck this guy. I hate this show. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was reading some interview and they asked him, why'd you kill Trip? He goes,
1: I don't really know. I just wanted to. <laughs> it's like, okay. So- he gave the Fight Club answer, where he's like, "I just wanted to destroy something beautiful." <laughs> I think that's what it
0: is. I think, I think on yeah. a subconscious level, he saw Trip as the successful character of the show, and he's like, "I don't like this show subconsciously, and I'm going to kill this character because I don't like him." That's my argument for him. Yeah. Now, so let's talk more generally about the top top three, I guess, because I think Hoshi and Mayweather. We can talk. Mayweather is the worst Star Trek character of all time, right? Like the the least developed, worst character who is a glorified background extra.
1: Yeah, of characters whose names are uh, uh, whose actors' names are in the opening credits, I would yeah. have to say yes.
0: Yeah, he, I think he. I think he easily is. Oh, she's a little bit. Like better. How
1: many episodes? How many episodes was Barclay in? Like four. Well, he's not main cast, but I, I would say he's
0: a better. I know, but still, yeah, he's a better character than yeah.
1: Mayweather. He was in four episodes in his leaps and bounds, better character than Mayweather, who was on practically every episode of the show. He's in
0: 96 episodes or whatever. That's true. You know a lot about Barclay.
1: Yeah. Barclay never got hurt once.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He was, he was no uh, tobogganing down those rock face, uh, rock face without getting injured. Reed kind of forgettable. It's really just Archer, Mm um, Archer to Paul and trip, I guess. But the, Mm -hmm. just to get the bottom out of the way, I think that the bottom, of this cast and crew is extremely weak through no fault of the, I say no fault of the actors, although once they started giving uh, Anthony Montgomery stuff to do in the final season, I was like, Ooh, maybe, maybe they saw something here earlier that I was not picking up on. Cause I don't think he's particularly good, but the rest of them, whatever thoughts on Archer, mm. I guess we can stick to Archer and to Paul, the top two <clears> to <throat> Paul, the biggest letdown for me. I think. I was surprised by Paul.
1: Yeah, I was really excited about her as a character at the beginning of the show. I thought there was a lot of potential there for for a really interesting story. But they never really committed to it in a way that felt natural and didn't involve weird space rock addiction. Uh, And I don't mean space rock as in like, you know, progressive rock and roll <laughs> as mean, in like, king floyd <laughs> well, yeah like <laughs> i'm not talking about like she wasn't addicted to king crimson albums right. here she was addicted to literal space rocks um yeah I, I think it was just I. she had so much upside uh to her character that really never got explored so much and i can hear I could hear Rick Berman screaming in the back of my head about exploring T'Pol's upside, but I'm not going to let him have mic time.
0: I think T'Pol. I think T'Pol is the biggest letdown on the show. Uh, I'm. I'm surprised by how not consequential she is, in the way that. I, and maybe yeah. it's just because of the way that Spock is set up in TOS, where you know that Spock is kind of like one of the the prime heads of this three headed monster with Kirk McCoy and Spock. And you, you kind of expect that, well, if they're doing a Vulcan first officer, she's probably going to have some kind of Spock influence. Like she's going to be a precursor Mm -hmm. to that or something. She's really not. She doesn't to Paul. Like the difference there is that Spock was used to bring up interesting points of view within TOS episodes as far as I can tell, to Paul's purpose is to go. I don't believe that exists, and then get disproven about what exists. <laughs> so she, she doesn't bring a, yeah. an interesting point of view to anything. There's not a. She never gets the better of the whoever the McCoy character would be on Enterprise. There's never a sense that she has a advantage and is in a better position to the humans in some ways that she has a. Well she might have a weakness in terms of like emotional development or whatever. She has something else that they don't have. To Paul mm-hmm. just felt to me like a character full of weaknesses that gradually eroded her into nothing until she became a relationship character with Trip and even then they didn't know what to do with that at that point. And her emotions coming through they didn't know what to do with that. She she just felt like a character who wore away to a
1: nub by the end of the series. Yeah, I mean they had, they had to find so many weird sort of external things to do with her that um just didn't really feel natural for for her uh, progression. It and I think I think the the thing that is is such a a bummer about it is is that the they clearly understood where they should have gone with her, which is why they bring the 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 space crack addiction in making her more vulnerable to emotions and stuff like that seemed like it was gonna. Or am I thinking the other way? I can't. They do like a hard, a hard pivot with that stuff, and I can't remember if it was away from that or or towards it. Hard is hard into it, right?
0: They they kind of dropped the yeah, fact that right? she was suffering from this addiction. They never resolved that; it just went away by itself.
1: Yeah, and they kind of. Well, I guess that kind of defeats my point then, because I thought it felt like they. They, they kind of knew that she should be – her journey should be to kind of be more empathetic and understanding of humans. Um, but they never really explored that in a really uh, meaningful way, and especially because she as a character is such a, a crucial um, element of the setup of the story, which is that the humans are going off into space the Vulcans don't think they're ready. The humans don't really – they kind of think the Vulcans are full of shit. And yeah. so now the Vulcans have somebody on their ship kind of keeping tabs and, like, seeing stuff. So you have this natural antagonism built in that yeah. never really amounted to anything that was really satisfying.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they kind of dropped that stuff. I'm surprised there was no more focus on, like, first season to is kind of a mole. Like spy for
1: the Vulcans, they didn't, sure. they didn't do. Yeah. It's just yeah.
0: maybe that's predictable. You mean you don't
1: think you don't you think they dropped that story when in the second to last episode of the season, the antagonistic Vulcan gets up and slow claps
0: <laughs> after Archer gives the most rousing <laughs> no, speech in the history it's... of manned space travel. <laughs> I mean, I think I think in that regard, T'Pol just suffers from the show not understanding the Vulcans at all. Like, if the Vulcans don't yeah. have a point of view, T'Pol can't have a point of view, because right. you either have to set T'Pol up as breaking away from Vulcan orthodoxy or representing it in contrast to the, right. to the crew. Yeah, and they don't they can't do yeah. either because they don't they don't know what the Vulcans are in this series.
1: And then, then later, you can do a story where you have those two uh, forces actively butting heads with each other and find a way to essentially keep her out of it and make Archer the central person in the middle <laughs> <clears throat> I think that's pretty much it
0: for the the general series Jeva um I can go first if you want my my general my general takeaway from enterprise is just that it is um <clears throat> it's clearly the end of this franchise's 90s run into the 2000s like the the nemesis mm-hmm. and the movie the star trek generations uh next generation movies didn't help but we've yet to get into voyager but enterprise to me just felt like it was a show that existed just because they needed to have a star trek show out there i don't feel right, that anyone no. was interested in this i don't think that anyone really cared i don't think the I think that the actors are at the whim of the production and writer staff at that point. I don't think the writers really cared. I think that Braga... Like, a lot of people complain about Berman and Braga saying that they killed Star Trek. And I, I before watching the series, I was always kind of like, it's not just two guys. Like, it's it's got the whole weight of the franchise weighing on it and stuff. I don't think that they're entirely responsible, but I think that their disinterest poisoned this series. I, I think that... I think that with showrunners who were like legitimately full of energy and ready to do something new at the start, I think the series would have been fundamentally different than what it was, what it turned into. I just don't... From that oral history and just watching what this show was, this show felt to me like just catching paychecks from Braga. So I I do hold it against them for a little bit.
1: I would be interested to know how much different it could actively have been excuse me because i think about uh ronald moore's story about voyager where he had a much different darker newer idea that would that voyager would be and then they were kind of like that's cool and everything but what if we just put him on the tng sets and put the tng shirts on him, and we just we just go with that way it's like yeah okay sure i guess um but I think the difference there is that enterprise existing at all means that they realized they had to do something different and new and couldn't just keep doing the same nineties hangover stuff. Um, but yeah, I think, I think this, it could have benefited quite a bit from people who were not burned out on doing 15 years of Star Trek. That's a lot of Star Trek to write. It's a lot of Star Trek. It's a lot of Star Trek to write. I d I don't and
0: I, I don't even really blame them. I, mm. I don't blame them for the quality because after fifteen years they'd be like, hey can't write another goddamn script of this series at all. What I blame them for is mm. continuing it, which to me is a is just mm. a paycheck at that point where there's there's no you can't have desire to do this. Braga's gone through three Star Trek
1: series by this point. Like that's Oof. that's a lot of Star Trek to get through. If it were me, if I had gotten to the end of – if I was like one of the head writers or whatever of TNG and I got to the seventh season of TNG and they are like, oh, by the way, you have to write a movie that ties together your series – And the classics series, which has its own diehard fan base and expectations while you are also trying to do an entire season of television. Yeah. (laughs) After I did that, I would have been like, I'm going to take a break for the rest of my life from Star Trek, I think. It's a a lot. It's a lot of Star
0: Trek. So that's it. Star Trek Enterprise is done. We'll read some patron comments. Clay, it's hard to break. It's much like Brandon Braga writing a Star Trek script. It's hard to break from tradition. I was going to pepper in comments Mm -hmm. the whole way through, and I completely didn't because of podcasting muscle memory. But we can get to it now, I guess. But first, thank you for joining us on our journey through enterprise. Patreon.com slash The Penske File is the best way to support the show. If you're so interested in supporting us, patreon.com slash The Penske File. A couple dollars a month, to get extra podcasts, extra content, Behind-the-scenes stuff, through the content consumption, we talk about what we're watching outside of stuff that we're podcasting about. There's a whole bunch of stuff. It's a good deal.
1: Those things don't exist <coughs> anymore, Wes. We only consume so we can process and put out. True. I
0: certainly feel that way sometimes. Very sad. Anyway, patreon.com slash As always, we support or we give a shout-out to our big supporters there, the Captain Tier. Special thank you to a lot of these people who have been here Getting, a, I'm going to wax this logic. since the start here, Clay. A lot of these names, people have been here forever, joining us on this interminable journey to Star Trek, which we're going to get into uh, after this. We'll we'll talk about what's so, going next,
1: and so many of them wanting to just do it all over again, <laughs> uh, which I'm thrilled about. Can't wait.
0: No, it's um, I always get, I, I do like this franchise, like. Mm-hmm to like it, it is funny like i i think there's we almost have an entire podcast in ourselves about the difference between discovery and enterprise right where i find discovery like viscerally upsetting to me i i as like <laughs> as a as a thing of watching it i hate it as i'm watching it which is why we don't podcast mm-hmm. about it like i like i never hated enterprise in the way that i think discovery sure. is a yeah. bad show but Discovery also didn't have so many. How many episodes of Discovery have there been? 40 to this 50? Something like that,
1: maybe? Yeah, something like that. So
0: right. it's like we did double the amount of Enterprise episodes. It it's just wears on you a little bit differently. But it is uh, it is different, different shades, I guess. Anyway, the patrons who have been here for a very long time support the show. Samuel Custer, Tark Latif, Andrew Charlock, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Christian Pouch, Matthew Ross, Brandon Howells, Matthew Cutler, Nick Sergi, Michael Pond, Grim Santos, Sean, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Vault 13 Hero, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elridge, Stephen Minton, HH28, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jig123, Point Extra G, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Nick the Rat, Captain Brazen, Eric St. Juan Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Garoppolo, John Zorn, William Scheissler, Rayhan Jaffer, Soyland Blue, Zane Majors, Olivier Pardeur, Retail, Tom Hickey, Diz Brutta, Ed, uh, Jose Hunters, EWNF Remixes, Ed Mark Captain McMunchausen, James McLennan, Jonas, Tommy Tango, Tuvix Must Die, next page, Chris McLaughlin, Rage for the Machine. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. Thank you to all the patrons who have made Voyager possible for us now. So we'll do the patron thoughts, Clay. We'll get through these. Mm. Cerulio says, series wrap-up, this show is almost a complete missed opportunity, and I often think about how it could have been made better by being more like Deep Space Nine. Tethered to a narrow spot in space by low warp speeds instead of a station assignment, it should have primarily focused on the run up to the Earth-Romulan War and the founding of the Federation, without time travel and Zindi nonsense. I also wish they had moved away from the one year one season and had each season cover two or three years, with months of low warp travel conveyed via the star uh, the log dates. Then they could have had two- to five-episode lore-building story arcs where they visited a planet every few months, bottle episodes where things happen as they're traveling from one place to another, and background politics could mature at a more realistic rate. It is inherently harder to make prequels captivate an audience because you already know subsequent events, but the fourth season feels like it's the first time they actually tried, and the first season had started the series with the fourth season's prequel mindset. The show could have blossomed into something very much funner to watch. I like his idea about... um, Taking a long time to get to different planets. I think that's kind of a neat yeah. thing. They don't really broach that yeah. here. The the warp five thing is mostly. What is that? Just no, a canon I mean, reference. <clears throat> they can't go super fast.
1: Yeah. Like. W- warp w- one through nine or whatever the limit is may as well be like, you know, parsecs in star Wars yeah. or something, even though I know that's a distance or whatever, but, but you know what I mean? Like it means nothing. Like it's, it's, their ship can't go faster than warp five. Okay, so what? That yeah. doesn't really—it doesn't, doesn't anything the Because you're still flying to fucking Risa, which is somewhere that the uh, Galaxy Class Enterprise D that can go like warp ten or whatever can get to. <laughs> is Risa like just outside the solar system or something? Yeah. You know, it's you know what I mean. It's like. You're still going to these places. They went to fucking Kronos. Yep. Where is Kronos? How long does it take to get to Kronos?
0: They got there quick. If I'm remembering in, the pilot, they yeah. got there in like seven hours or something. It was it was ridiculously fast how <clears throat> how quickly they got to Kronos. Yeah, doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, like the the speeds the speeds mean nothing. So to make it mean something would actually would have been an interesting yeah. Uh, take it, and it would have been interesting in the in a it would have been more interesting than say we don't have a tractor beam all we have is a grappler. <laughs> bucket. <you know? laughs> use the grappler like, <laughs> yeah it's it's like it's it's that kind of change but it's a change that feels like it has some impact yeah. on what they can and can't do you know it's the
0: disinterest of this you know there's a lot as Aurelio yeah. saying there's a lot of ways they could have approached this early. And who knows how much of this is the studio saying, no, you have to do it traditionally. But it is like, what if this series existed in multi-episode arcs that were two to three episodes between getting to the next planet? Because that's how long they have, right. to, they have to move. Yeah. And I think it would have benefited what this – we've trashed the show, but what this show did well – is very small moments. That's where the show existed, Mm -hmm. kind of. And they they never really embraced that or got away with it to uh, an extent that I would want, but that's what the show could have done. If this was about the drama, as you're waiting to get to the fireworks factory, there's a there's a series in there somewhere. Yeah. Thank you, Ceruleo. Wait a minute, what the hell's going on? Thomas Darnell says, Enterprise has a lot of problems, but what I want out of my track is to go somewhere new and explore the planet slash alien slash anomaly of the week pose our philosophical question of the week, have a little adventure, and then check back next week. I don't like soap opera serialization, but Enterprise occasionally came through for me. You can guess DS9 was not my favorite. All I wanted from this series was to get a glimpse of the local galaxy before TOS, maybe visit some of the iconic things that never get explored after that series, and it tended to happen. Season 3 was a disaster, and the temporal Cold War was a catastrophe, but they told small stories well enough to my taste and in Trek trappings that I like. For me... TOS is better than TNG, which is better than Voyager, which is better than Enterprise, which is better than DS9. Oh wow! Which is a tremendous Dead thing last. to write on the internet because I can print screen that and post it, and people will say, "Wow, look at that!" <laughs> DS9 being <in> the <laughs> being they, at the end of that, they is sure a, will a
1: bold choice. They will sh- sure will say, "Hey, look <laughs> at that." That's all I
0: can hope for this podcast. People say, "Hey, look at that thing." Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Thomas. Much appreciated. Did um he brings up serialization? I I don't like soap opera serialization, but Enterprise apparently came came through to me. It seems that he's criticizing Enterprise for having soap opera serialization. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you have wanted just quick? Would you have wanted more or less serialization out of Enterprise? And define Um, define what I mean by that word if if you need to take a like a definition for
1: yourself. You know, honestly, I don't know Uh, because I feel like the show itself was so schizophrenic with that stuff that it didn't even super really know how it wanted to structure itself because it went from episodic to what if we did one long season about one long story arc to what if we did a bunch of short story arcs. So they they clearly weren't themselves sure what the right approach was. Um, I think for me. I th- I think that uh, much like the first comment said, if there had been a larger setting story that everything sort of happened with that in the backdrop, I think that would have been more satisfying to me than um, straight serialization or straight episodic. You know, every week something, every every week things reset.
0: Yeah. I don't think this show understood its characters well enough to do serialization. I I think shows that serialize really well have to have strong character work at the basis Mm -hmm. of it because otherwise it doesn't, the serialization doesn't matter really. Um, Right. Yeah. I don't think this show needed to be more serialized actually. I think that it. I think that I don't think it had to. I I think that this had actually the right amount of serialization in a '90s or post '90s Star Trek to me. They didn't do it well, but I thought that it Mm -hmm. was effective
1: enough. Well, what's what's interesting about that conversation, though, is like it. it, It's one of it's one of the difficulties of making a new Star Trek show because I think everybody likes something. Everybody likes different things, right? So if you did a show. That was explicitly episodic. You're going to have people who would rather have, oh, I well, my favorite Star Trek is Deep Space Nine, where it's all serialized and things yep. more run together. Then and you know you get vice versa. You need a period like now where they just make 15 shows <laughs> and, and you they can just do, each all, do them all, differently. all the things. That's why. That's why I have no problem in saying that I hope Strange New World is an episodic show and not just another. Discovery cl- it's, gonna be it's, not
0: gonna, it's gonna be the same. It's same gonna, thing. gonna be the don't, same. Don't, don't, so. <laughs> I've never I've never read a quote hey. from Akiva Goldsman that like after the season aired, I go, he was clearly in working <laughs> on this show. His quotes are always insane. They're like these completely off the mark takes on what's going on. <clears throat> Matt Ross says what started out as a hopeful series seemed to be adrift without anything but rehashed ideas, which really became apparent in season two. The change up with the Zindiark in season three, although a bit welcome, should have gone the Earth Romulan war that leads to the Federation's founding instead of the weird campiness that bled into season four. At season four, there was a lot of good ideas, which should probably have been the season two of the show, but they simply ran out of time. A lot of missteps from the beginning by not having the name Star Trek in the title, that damn theme song, the casting of Archer as a naive Boy Scout, the short shrift of Mayweather, jerky emotional Vulcans, among other things, make this the weakest of the series before the newer Trek stories. The series overall would get a solid, meh, neither great nor truly terrible, a 2.7 out of th- 2.7 to 3 out of 5 overall. Vault 13-Hero. Yeah, pretty much. I thought Enterprise was hitting its stride in season two, as crazy as that may sound. Season three's long arc doomed the show, even if it was mostly okay. I still think Dear Doctor and Similitude are Star Trek at its best, but when I look back fondly on Enterprise, I think of Reed and Mayweather making a snowman on a comet the comet and it makes me smile. The series was its best with the little in-between moments. Still a better prequel series than Discovery, though.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that's true, I suppose.
0: What's your favorite enterprise episode? Um Can you remember what your favorite can you <laughs> Do you want me to give you the, a couple that you series, thought were really the good?
1: Series finale. The series finale. The series finale series is
0: excellent. Yeah, you liked Similitude. You liked Cogenitor. Uh, which one was Similitude? Similitude is the clone of Trip. Sim.
1: Right. Right. That was a good one. I like that.
0: Cogenitor one. was the one where Trip, again. The genderless person, right? The third gender—that's that episode. And then your other Mm -hmm. three, your other, your third, fifth is third. Five out of five is dear doctor from season one. Those are the
1: three fives you gave to Enterprise. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think it is. Uh, other episodes we talk about all the the time.
0: Breaking the Ice, which is the one, the comet, the snowman on the comet. We always reference sure. that one as kind yep. of a neat episode. Yep. Uh, I liked Unexpected. Judgment, the Klingon trial. I remember that one with Archer. Mm-hmm. Regeneration, mm-hmm. the one with the Borg. Proving Ground, I don't remember what that is. Damage damage in the Forgotten, we liked those two. And then Cold Station 12, In a Mirror Darkly, and Observer Effect. Those are the like top episodes
1: from us. You know, it's – I don't know. I wouldn't say it's the best, but I feel like Breaking the Ice might be my favorite one. It's an interesting one. Be, yeah, and it's like – Oh, here's another felt one. felt like that was – Oh,
0: sorry. The Dead Stop episode. You're, that was the one where um they find that automated space station, and it, like, steals people and eats their brains to become the, the – oh,
1: I like that one, yeah. too. That's kind of a neat Enterprise cool. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I keep thinking breaking the ice just because it seems like it, it that one had the that one held the potential for the show yeah, in it, it. Did. that it never quite really tapped into again. Yeah, um, I mean, I guess I don't know if if it's due to watching so many of these so quickly, my own deteriorating brain, or just the fact that it says something about the show that I can't really point to an episode. That really stood out to me, and go like, yeah, no, that's that was my favorite episode. I really like Dear Doctor, um, yeah, <clears throat> quite a bit. Uh, I was looking at the other Trek series yeah. we did,
0: and <clears throat> I think it is something about this show. I was looking at other shows, and I rem- I have a better memory recall of those episodes than I do for Enterprise. Yeah. I feel Enterprise yeah. episodes kind of blend together, like. Yeah. Similitude and Cogenitor. I would probably get those episodes mixed up if they were telling me that's the one that there's a clone or whatever. So is that Cogenitor? Is that that the other one trips in both of them? There's probably like a Mm -hmm. naked to Paul in both of them. (laughs) I um, I'll save my top five. I'll make a video of it, a standalone, but I do think that here's a question. Do you regret giving fives to any of these enterprise
1: episodes? I have no fucking clue. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, no cuz i i like to operate inside <laughs> the idea of a 5 is a 5 for the series more than it is a 5 for the franchise sure. or the rating the rating is a rating for the series more than it is for a rating for the franchise yeah um so yeah i i don't i don't regret rating them high too high or too low um cuz hopefully i was doing so within what i thought of the series as a whole and not too many uh, outlying factors
0: yeah i look at it as um I, I, I'm, I'm just glad I didn't give anything a five because I don't think anything from enterprise would fit into a top 50 of star Trek. Like mm-hmm. you got a lot of episodes. You gave
1: no fives. No, no fives. You gave no fives no across fives. Nine, the 98 episodes. Wow.
0: I respect the process. I'm not gonna, I'm not just gonna give out a five because I'm bored. <laughs> I haven't said the word in a long time. No, I, I didn't give any fives.
1: But I, I don't think You're like you're like the teacher. You're like the teacher who's like, I don't give out A pluses. No one ever has gotten an A plus. I don't grade it's on a curve. To I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lift yeah. you
0: up. You you can get the grade. No, I just I, <clears throat> I I I'm not gonna do it, but I wonder if I started making a list of enterprise, of Star Trek episodes, I wonder how long it would take before I got to an enterprise one. And I, th- I, I think I think it would be a well a ways down the line yeah. of it. All right. Yeah. What did I do? I read comments. There's still a comment wrap these up. Uh, Norman Buckwald says, This is definitely the least liked of the live Star Trek series for me. Mark from Enchantment of Eternity said it best. Why, I guess I always had a problem. The characters are too bland. They tried to make it a right stuff type series and mostly it failed. Archer is my least liked captain. Still, the last third of season three and season four showed what a prequel can do. And that potential sometimes was more than promise. Anyway, be prepared as you move from one series with potential to be frustrated with another with Voyager. The only difference, Voyager had a better set of characters, my opinion, of course. I just wish Mayweather had at least gotten some love from the writers, as well as Hoshi. Thank you, Norman. Yarpy
1: says, a huge mistake they Wait, did Wait, hold shi- on a second. Hold on. He wishes that Mayweather got some love from Hoshi?
0: No, he, th- that they, they both had gotten some writerly mm-hmm. love, but hmm. it wouldn't hurt to give each other a little bit of loving, too. You're hmm. only going to warp five. It takes you a long time to get places.
1: Yeah, (laughs) sure does.
0: Yarpy says, the huge mistake they did with the show was to set it many years before the Romulan War and 10 years before the founding of the Federation. This is what I would have done with 2020 Hindsight, start the show with a miniseries like they did with Battlestar Galactica and set the table for the Romulan War, have it start in the first season and last for a few seasons at least, and then have the founding of the Federation in the first year of the Federation, trying to hold it together, etc. Might require some time compression, depending on how long the war would be. I'm not just uh, just about him. He brings up the Romulan War. A few people have brought up the
1: Romulan War. <clears throat> um, I didn't even realize that was a thing. Honestly, and yeah, th- that people were mentioning that. I was like, yeah, no, that seems like a natural place to do it. I don't know why they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Romulan War is um, <clears throat> obviously after this at the start of the Federation and stuff. My, my, I guess my the only thing that I would say about the Romulan War is that, like. I I understand why people would want that as a kind of inciting incident and that that would be a a good backdrop. I think that the problem there is that the assumption people are making is that also the writing just is better. Like, I I think that this show, Mm. if this show, as it was, had started during the Romulan War, I think the Romulan War would have been very boring, really. You know? Sure. That's my... I think the problem goes more fundamental than just the time that they selected as the start of it. But I,
1: I understand what people mean about wanting something exciting going on in the background. You know, you know what I kind of wish they had done is I think this show would have been perfect for a season to season time jump. Well, I don't mean like, sci-fi like two, time two jump. years I mean, or something like,
0: in between seasons.
1: Yeah, or even more, like five or something, you know. Well, we saw that in the finale, and apparently nothing
0: changes. Clay, like ten years ago. Well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's (laughs) the problem.
1: But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like they could have easily gone, like, all right, we're we're in a our backs against the wall a little bit here. We're kind of stale. What do we do? Let's jump forward five years and kind of reset everything. We can tweak these characters. Maybe things have changed about yeah. them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think, that, I think that could have been a good way to kind of reset everything. Um, it's a neat way to get a lot of history if, out of if, the way, uh, too, quickly, you know? Yeah. You know? If if Brandon Braga hadn't fucking railroaded them by sending them to goddamn World War II, <laughs> uh, maybe they could have done it between seasons three and four. Um, right. The other thing I was going to say is just sure. – does this overlap with BSG at all? Uh, those were, were those airing at the same time at all? I think so. Yeah. That is a huge like g- comparing those two shows yes. to the uh, being on at the same time is like a you can so clearly see where Star Trek is just behind the times. Yes. You can. But I'm not saying it needs to be BSG because Battlestar Galactica I think much like Rage Against the Machine did for music, Battlestar Galactica <laughs> might have done more damage than good for sci-fi television because it was the first kind of darker, more adult take yeah. on a Star Trek-type show, which has now, per, per you know, disseminated, st- trickled down into, <laughs> permeated, yeah, into all of, the, like, you don't have Discovery without Battlestar right. Galactica. Yep, you know what I mean? Exactly. Um but it is a really interesting contrast to see those two shows were both on at the same time.
0: It is. It is definitely the, that's the schism there. And I, I think in some ways, if I had been watching Enterprise in real time, I think it might have been more depressing, really. Like I, I still, yeah. wa- watching Enterprise <clears throat> 20 years later, I still kind of just associated with the 90s era of this. Like it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel connected to a real year. But if I was watching this live as it came out, and then my other show I was watching was Battlestar, that that would be it. Would just be I'd be like, "Wow, Enterprise is just terrible! Like, what is Enterprise even doing up right. Right here at this yeah. point? It, now it just seems charming and how uh, weak it is, but." Grapple John Zorn says... You're telling
1: me on the sci-fi channel they got full side boob and we have to do tag tops in the shower. What are we doing here? Ron Moore, I made you, motherfucker. (laughs) TMG, look at you. All of that's my idea. (laughs) All of those cleavage shots are my idea and you know it, you son of a bitch.
0: (laughs) He stole Rick's idea of all characters are exactly the same and turned them into the Cylons. It's like, I told you. No characterization. (laughs) Grapple John Zorn says, I would have cast Von Armstrong as Archer. Armstrong is uh, Admiral Forrest. I enjoy Enterprise Mm, more each time I rewatch it. Season four, in spite of its flaws, isn't he? That is Von Armstrong, right? I'm not thinking of. uh, Yes, it it is. I enjoy Enterprise more each time I watch it. Season four, in spite of its flaws, creates a nice bookend with the original series. The best episodes are those in which they invested time in the lesser characters.
1: Darth Musk. That's. I was just gonna say the casting of Archer seems to be, still, the biggest initial misstep with the show, and I, like it's it's tough though because like if you look back on the other captains, they're all well-respected actors, but they're not actors who are like known quantities. Yeah, casting, Certainly at the time. Yeah, casting. Scott Bakula as Jonathan Archer is like casting Ben Affleck as Batman after you cast (laughs) Christian Bale as Batman. It's true. It
0: is the first backwards casting, isn't it? Where it's like it's based more on his acting credential. Well, his name, I guess, is the driver behind casting him in a way that Stuart Avery Brooks and Kate Mulgrew were not.
1: Yeah, like I think Saniquea Martin Green is a lot more in the tradition of how they usually cast yeah. leads of these shows than than uh, Bacula is.
0: I mean, that's the that's the better way, right? It's just like I, I I wonder if there's a kind of cleverness in casting Bacula because he's not super name, but he he kind of is at the same time. He's a nerd name, like the people yeah. who
1: are watching Enterprise are the same people who are watching Quantum Leap, you know? Yeah. That's true. That in and of itself is fan service, I would say.
0: Yeah, it isn't. They that was. It's one more thing into just the. There's no Star Trek in the title. It's got a theme song, and Scott Bakula is the lead of this. Right. Yeah. Which hurt Archer more, Bakula or the writing of Archer?
1: Mm. I'm gonna say Bakula. Yeah, because I think an actor with more dynamic range could have made more of that stuff work in ways that he just couldn't really, he couldn't really get there with it.
0: What's Archer's defining trait?
1: His Julius Caesar haircut. <laughs>
0: As I get the old pictures of him, his hair has gone some tremendous transformation over four years. But uh, it's always goofy how everyone's haircut looks the first season of their TV show. It's a very funny, yeah, thing. Yeah. So I, don't, I don't know what that is. My, how would I describe Archer? Um, I don't. I honestly don't know how you describe Archer. Um, um. does he have a characteristic what's his what's his trait i i feel like this is what yeah. just piles into the i don't believe that this guy is some sort of historical figure that people would read about there's just nothing right. to
1: him i don't know it's strange he's i would say he's fairly stubborn like he kind of once he sets his mind to something that tends to be what he does until the plot requires him to change his mind at the last minute.
0: Yeah, but I, I wouldn't say he's closed minded Really, like no, he's not—he's no. not stubborn in a way that makes it an interesting character trait. You know, he's just kind of right, mildly yeah. stubborn about things. I don't, yeah. I don't know.
1: Um, yeah, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if we've watched ninety-eight episodes of this show and we can't describe the main character of it. Well, it's funny end. because I can it's the, for someone the Star like Reed. Wars test right?
0: Reed, I can define. Reed is kind of the stick in the mud, reg, like rules are rules character. That's what Reed is supposed to mm-hmm. be. Trip is the aw shucks yep. kind of like try anything, like everybody's friend character in the way that Riker is. Uh, Mayweather flies the ship. <laughs> um, it's Flox is you know the happy go lucky Denobulan who. Likes to experience things like that's kind of written. Archer's strangely undefined. Uh, and I wonder if it's what you're saying is that as an actor, Bacula didn't bring anything to the writers that they were like, this is the way that Archer is supposed to be. Because
1: he, he didn't have a trombone. He didn't. I mean that metaphorically. Like he there you know, there's usually you work with an, an actor long enough you figure out what they're what they're really good at right. and you know you can play into their strengths and Oh, he you knows how to play the trombone. Yeah, sure, write it into an episode. Yeah. <clears throat> uh Bacula doesn't really have a trombone. He's it seems like he never really elevated the material and then and the material never really elevated him. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah. I was just thinking as you were talking about the different characters, is there The the hilarious thing about Mayweather is how much backstory he has that's actually fairly interesting that was clearly written to cover up for the fact that he as a character is painfully boring. (laughs) (laughs) Like his whole backstory about like growing up on the pirate ship and all that kind of of should be a boomer and all that. Yeah. Like that stuff is fairly interesting. Like he's the only one in the first season who really gets that sort of – you know this is where i came from it's how how different it is and blah 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 but it never plays into him as a character it's just you know uh uh lip service the the boomer except for that one episode where he goes back home yeah meets his meets his freighter family yeah
0: the the boomer thing is interesting because it it's it's such a kick the can down the road it's like an analog to kick the can down the road they come up with this idea of boomers, which is that in this universe, people who are born in space are seen differently. So they're seen so differently, they're given a nickname as to like represent them. Boomers. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> so when you're writing the Bible of the show, you're like, oh, that's great. Mayweather's a boomer. Like these he's totally different. All the other characters have a name for him. He's called a he's called a boomer. They they must have some sort of universal opinion about these people he's a freighter son of a freighter captain didn't grow up in starfleet he's he knows the frontier in a way that none of the other characters do and then you you actually start writing the series and there's no way to tie in what a boomer is in any way it's like who cares what this is no one no one seems to care i think it was on um i was on that other computer resume podcast and i was just spitballing but i was thinking about how (laughs) <laughs> the boomer class could have been the boomer class could have been an example of where star trek tried to uh, enterprise tried to develop something where by casting a black actor in the role you can decouple actual racism mm-hmm. from the black and white thing and turned it into a kind of like racist against boomer type there's some sort of like human mentality that sure. about people born in space are kind of a lesser thing, and by having a black actor play it, it becomes this easy analog metaphor for mm-hmm. racism or something, but they they never get into it and it's just like yeah. why why does he call the
1: boomer? Why do they call them these things if they' if no one seems to care that's that's I don't know and sad you would think. He and Reed would be a, a really natural counterpoint for each other because you've got Mayweather, who grew up in space and has been all over the place, experiencing stuff, experiencing stuff on the freighter ship, and Reed, who is a, a military family kid yeah. who probably has been at West Point or whatever his whole life. You family know, came from been, the Navy.
0: He, like star, the starships yeah. are a, a jump for him. They're they're earthbound to the core.
1: Yeah, he's never he's he's got a he's got a military or or uh, seafaring or spacefaring pedigree but he's never actually left earth yeah. versus this kid who's just a kid who ended up in starfleet who has all this experience you know like i think there's there's some interesting stuff you could get into there but they never had the time to do it also i still maintain that he should have mayweather should have been the future guy uh, <laughs> the, the daniel's character <laughs>
0: We haven't talked about well, I forget Daniels. Darth Moss says, On the whole, this rewatch almost ruined the show for me. Enterprise benefits from syndication and just catching random episodes on the Sci-Fi network back in the day, and it greatly enhances their appeal. The serialized stories are the most interesting, and it's where the show shines best, but a lack of leadership from behind the scenes, as well as the captain's chair, looking at you, Archer, just couldn't save it. I'm glad Enterprise exists. For its best episodes, but it never achieves the more than the sum of its parts that DS9 manages to capture. Prequels suck. Let's get to the Delta Quadrant. Thank you, Darth Mosk. Royo says I feel the comparison of Enterprise to Red Dead Redemption 2 is apt. Very clearly, Red Dead Redemption 2 had a prequel story it wanted to tell and was very clearly passionate about the setting, while Enterprise floundered for direction and had very little to say once it found that direction. Enterprise had the very strange demographic issue of writing stories with morals that would only teach anything to a seven-year-old, but filling the show with so much smut that seven-year-olds wouldn't be able to watch it. The one advantage season four of Enterprise has is that it's willing to reference and incorporate elements of the original series, something that was outright outlawed by Roddenberry back when he was alive working on TNG, to the point that it's a minor miracle that Bones was on encounter encounter, Encounter at Farpoint. Looking back at TNG, it's almost comical how many one-off forgettable human races there are in the Federation, while the original founding members were nowhere to be seen. The results of Gene's dictates. Even if the scripts flashing out the Vulcans, Tellarites, and Andorians weren't the best, at least it was something Enterprise was able to do over the other shows. TOS is better than TNG, which is better than DS9, which is better than Voyager, which is better than Enterprise. A lot of TOS fans here, huh? A lot of TOS fans. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's yeah. a cho- it's a choice. <laughs> what would um Yeah, I don't I don't think I could ever consider myself a TOS fan, really. It's hard to say. I
1: don't I I mean <clears throat> I don't know how I would classify myself <clears throat> at all, honestly. Mm. Like I I don't know I know this is kind of like uh, a non-answer, but I would classify myself more as a fan of the franchise than of any one specific show. Yeah. That being said, I like probably. I mean, I've said this before, but <clears throat> like my Star Trek is the Star Trek movies, like the the TOS movies. Yeah. Um. So I guess that's what I would probably put at the top of anybody even there it's like 3 of them you know <laughs> like <all of> them. <laughs> not it's all, not um, 12 <clears throat> no it's <laughs> it, it it's uh but like you know i would probably put i would probably put the tos movies is what i think of when i think of star trek <clears throat> followed very closely by tng yeah that's fa- the, the series um, or the movies the the series yeah okay yeah um and i would probably put I I don't know if I would say TOS is better. I don't know. It's tough. It's a, It's it, that's the thing. I, I can't, it's really tough for me to quantify them against each other. It's one of these um, because I yeah, I don't think that I prefer to watch. I can tell you that I I prefer to watch all of the other ones we've seen so far over Enterprise. That I can tell <laughs> you. <laughs> Clay's but, not a uh, fan
0: of this franchise, but if he if you were, he wouldn't be a fan of Enterprise.
1: Um, um, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, I, <laughs> I like D, I like deep space nine a lot, but I, I, I like TNG a lot as well. Yeah. I don't know if I like one of them more. I have more nostalgic attachment to TNG, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, it's, it's tough for me to really, I guess if I'm being completely honest, I would put TNG at the top because if I'm going to just sit down and put on an episode of Star Trek, I'm probably going to do TNG. Yeah.
0: It's one of those, um. The experiment I would run—that's completely implausible—but it's what I would do. Is that I would give you some sort of streaming. <clears throat> the only, the only streaming channel you can watch is like an all Star Trek randomizer stream, and I would mm-hmm. I would tabulate what you skipped. Like you were allowed yeah. to <laughs> skip episodes, right? And I'd be like, <laughs> okay, click clearly likes TNG, and he hates Enterprise because he's never watched an Enterprise episode. I think that's the only way to really. Judge that kind of stuff in whatever
1: way you can. The thing, okay, even that is not even fair because, like, it could be the best episode of Enterprise. As soon as it hits that theme song, I'm hitting Skip. I don't even care what the episode is. I think that's what it is, though, right? That's, like, the... And their cold opens are so bad. Yeah. Like, if, if it was just came down to I have to make a snap decision based off the cold open and the theme song, Am I going to watch this? My answer is no, 100% of the time. <laughs> unless, unless that cold open ends with fucking William Riker ending a, hologram, yeah. a, a holodeck program and walking into frame. Then I'm watching the episode.
0: Yeah, I guess the way that I'd have to refine that is that you, <clears throat> you, you're forced to watch an episode, right? But you have one skip. So your choice mm-hmm. is, do I watch this episode or do I randomly select another episode, and I'm forced to watch it? You know what I mean. So if yeah. if that were the case, if I were running this experiment, I would settle comfortably on TNG quite a bit. If I got a TNG episode, I'd have to really think about whether or not this is a bad TNG episode that I want to skip. TOS yeah. is probably twenty five seventy five for me. There's one one mm-hmm. quarter of the time, I go. This is a good episode. I'll watch this one. The rest of them will be like, I'm taking the random chance and seeing what happens here. Uh, DS9 right. is probably slightly less than TNG, but Enterprise, I'm skipping. If I get an Enterprise episode, I will hit the skip and see what, what, what else am I going to get out of this. Kyle Barrett mm-hmm. says, Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek series, unparalleled in quality and depth, but of the more traditional exploratory ship shows, Enterprise is my favorite, with a U. There are no stuffy officers or know-it-all perspectives, but rather the most fallible, uncertain crew of the franchise. Whether it's first contact, trying to save Earth, or attempting interstellar diplomacy, the crew of the NX-01 are enjoyably out of their element, struggling with their personal lives, incredibly horny, and almost guaranteed to fuck everything up. It's a shame then, or maybe poetically appropriate, that the writers are similar to their characters in this respect, governed by showrunners long past caring and the show occupying the television hinterland between anthology and serialized in a shifting landscape. Mistakes are made, but I find the show genuinely charming from its strengths to its flaws. I love the aesthetic. Clay, do you have to have something to say about that? And if I had to spend more time watching a crew, this is the one I choose because of all the shows I encountered on my <clears> travels, <throat> this was the most...
1: Human. I mean, all I can say is that makes perfect sense because he's from England, which is just flat gray all the time. (laughs) So it tracks. (laughs) It's a a stirring defensive enterprise. I disagree with it, I think. Um, mm -hmm. Well, what's funny is his description of the show sounds fantastic. Sounds great. Yeah, sounds like a good show. I don't know if the show itself lives up to that for me, but... And I,
0: I think I, I know. I know he's just making a joke here about the, the most human thing. But like, I, I think the fundamental flaw with this argument is that DS Nine has the most human cast crew. You know, you mean Enterprise? Is it, it DS? Oh, I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, I see. You're you're DS Nine okay,
0: yeah. has uh, not not literally human, but DS Nine has the most in the context of that Kirk quote human crew right. out of everything.
1: Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, And the the, the counter to Cow's point is that I think Enterprise's crew is remarkably unhuman in the sense that they, they're not sophisticated and interesting enough to be captivating. Mm-hmm. But now that we've excoriated him, I'll move on to the final comment. Jonathan J.K. Morris says, series wrap up. Hindsight is, of course, 2020, but considering the cost of Enterprise's season four compared to STD now, those micromanaging it, less Moonvest is one, really made it a financial, creative, and cultural mistake. For all of Enterprise's faults, the talent still shines higher than what other people are watching now. Still stars higher out of five higher than you can give Star Trek Discovery. We'll go out with a burn of Star Trek Discovery. Not the burn, just a burn. Thank you, Jonathan Morris. Thank you, everybody, for leaving your comments about enterprise. We're done with it. We can't really rate it. We're just at the end. It's been a long road, getting from here to there. We made that joke. There it goes. It's out the door. I did it at the end. If you're gonna, if you're gonna say it, say it right. I'll start. Sta- I'll here. say it, and you'll you'll hit your skip button on your remote. And Which I that. will every time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have any final thoughts about this one. We're done. It's always a little bit. not sad it's always a little bit like emotionally interesting to finish one of these series because we spend so long watching them that now it's no longer a part of my (laughs) day-to-day but that's fine
1: enterprise is the show that i I will not rewatch. if we are um i don't know if you want to talk about what's happening next but if we are doing picard before voyager is that the plan
0: there it's up in the air so there are a lot of options yeah. because we're recording this on the day that the new cbs lineup for this year came out so we know the schedule for picard strange new worlds in the next discovery season so there's a lot so go with what you're saying but what you're saying is one of many options we have at this point
1: okay well <clears throat> what i was going to say is if if we are in fact putting a little buffer time between this show and voyager Two mega
0: series take a little bit of a breather
1: yeah, I am happy to do that because um, I think it'll be a nice palate cleanse to to go to something more modern before jumping back because getting, getting into, especially getting into such a, another long series where you're starting. Right at the start. Start starting at the bottom. <laughs> nice S, SD, SD special effects <laughs> from the late 90s. <laughs> Just... Uh, Looking, looking great. <laughs> Terrible haircuts um, in season one. Yeah, questionable writing. People going to be there.
0: People made a good idea about Voyager might be a good series to end every season with another series. To, to in between seasons of Voyagers, you do something else, like you do a Picard or a Strange New Worlds in between them. I see. Okay, I can see that being a good example. I think Voyager would benefit
1: from that, especially because it's so long. <laughs> Is it that bad that you need a full season break between? Every no, it's, it's of the just show?
0: it's. I like Voyager, sort of. I have not seen mm-hmm. a lot of Voyager, but I, I, I probably will enjoy Voyager more than Enterprise. But I think that it's the wear and tear of Voyager is similar to Enterprise. So I think breaking it up, like I think breaking up Enterprise would have been a good idea too, if we had had the option mm-hmm. to do a season in between them and then go back to it, but. I don't think Voyager is all mm. that bad, and the first season is super short, which is nice about Voyager. So, oh, okay. um, we have that to look forward to. But we'll see. We'll we'll hammer all this out. Um, the downside is that if we start skipping or we do Picard or something, we lose our backlog, which is a tragedy because we have to wait for Picard to come out. Oh right, right. So maybe yeah. we just record Voyagers and then go into the Picard. We'll see. This is all behind the scenes stuff we'll yeah. talk about. Thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for supporting us on patreon.com slash file. We're done with Star Trek enterprise. Another one bites the dust. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we're done? We're months in the future. We're, what is this? This is like February 17th. So I don't know oh what boy. you want to go from there. Uh,
1: this is in February. Uh, keep listening to the rotten horror picture show in February on Patreon. We will be doing, I don't even know what we're doing. We're doing <laughs> a Stephen King movie. <laughs> Uh you just did it has not January. been decided at this point, yeah, we did it part two in January and uh in February i don't know Christine <laughs> silver bullet uh, <laughs> something like that a ringing ringing uh uh sales job I'm doing here, but uh yeah, if you want to follow Amanda and I as we cover the uh lesser known Stephen King adaptations on on this year, uh, you can do so on our uh the Pensky file patreon.
0: There you go, thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for enjoying Star Trek Enterprise with us. We're done. We'll be back with something, be it Picard, Voyager, or something in between. we get got a lot of time to think about it. Um, I'll put a Patreon poll up too so people can vote and show us what they think. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you later.